You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, the Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And today I want to, you know, even though there's all this coaching buzz happening, uh, coaching chatter, today I want to take a step back and uh, kind of evaluate the year-over-year changes to the roster by position group. Uh, Miami's last day to register uh, for newcomers was uh, last Wednesday. And so now the roster, at least for the spring, for spring football, which is about a month away, is set. And I think it's worth having a discussion with Gabby about how each position group looks, the changes that were made or not made uh, at various position groups and what we think about that. Um, I want to highlight two here on the front end. We have a 75% off sale going. This is a flash sale. So if, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday and you're interested in jumping on this sale, uh, it's 75% off. That equates to about 27 bucks for a year's worth of coverage. You know, now's a good time to jump on board um, with the start of this 2024 recruiting cycle. And of course, any coaching buzz that happens, any coaching changes, that happened in the month of February, which is right around the corner. Of course, uh, if you miss the 75% off flash sale, 24-7 Sports is offering 60% off annual subscriptions on Tuesday and Wednesday, which I think is around 44 bucks for a year. Um, so just wanted to highlight that. Um, and again, 75% off. Uh, I did put today on the website, on the message board, just some over the weekend chatter buzz that I'm hearing, uh, you know, with these coaching vacancies. Um, so go check that out if you'd like. Um, Gabby, let's start here before we jump into kind of the personnel talk. A uh, couple of recruiting things to touch on uh, with national, the traditional national signing day coming up here on Wednesday, uh, Miami did host a high school uh, three-star defensive tackle out of Marist High School in Chicago, Jamel Howard. Uh, we know Miami would like to add some beef on the interior of the defensive line, a run-stopping defensive tackle. He checks that box potentially, but he is highly sought after as well. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on where things stand with Miami and Jamel Howard? Yeah, I mean, Miami, again, the body type is exactly what Miami's looking for. Uh, listed at six foot three, 320 pounds. I mean, I think he's probably closer to six two, maybe six one and a half. Um, definitely a big, wide, wide body. Uh, got, got eyes on him on Sunday, uh, you know, as he left his official visit uh, from campus early Sunday afternoon. And you know, again, kind of saying the you know saying some good things about the program and and how he kind of fits in 
It sounds like family's going to play a big, big factor in terms of where he ends up. Uh, I think right now a lot of, you know, I, I don't know, I guess the meter's pointing towards Wisconsin. Uh, Madison is just, I don't know, like roughly like a two, two, two and a half hour drive from his, from his, uh, from his home in Chicago. And uh, I, that's where he was originally committed. He was originally committed to Wisconsin. Then his recruitment blew up. I think uh, Michigan ended up getting him on campus, Illinois, uh, LSU, and then Miami, of course. Um, so a lot of people, you know, some people think that he might end up back in the fold with Luke Fickle now, you know, up there at that program. And again, the how close it is to home. Uh, I, I do know that Miami's going to, you know, kind of grind out these next, I don't know, maybe 48 hours at this point. I mean, I guess it's not even, yeah, I guess it's for, like 48 hours at this point and try to, you know, make something happen here. Uh, again, they value him a lot. Coach Cristobal went up to Chicago to watch him. I believe he had like a wrestling match or something like that. And, you know, just kind of impressed the way he looked there but uh i'm not his sure tape is nice I, yeah i no, like his tape yeah no he can get it done again I, it, the way that they kind of explain it is like they really don't have a body type like that on the roster and you know you kind of comb through it and I mean, you kind of have to agree right i mean again just kind of like a plug in the middle talking about using him as a zero through a three technique like any can kind of fit into any of those spots uh definitely you know fits the mold and Again, that body type is something that I think Miami's kind of lacking. I think it's something that they tried to find in the transfer portal and then obviously have tried to find here at the end via high school recruiting. And I'm sure it's going to be something that they, you know, maybe prioritize in that May window if they can find one. And if not, definitely in the class of 2024, they're going to have to kind of find that plug. So kind of curious how it all plays out. I, I'm not like completely saying, no, the kid's not coming to Miami. Of course, anything can happen here. And I, again, Miami's not just kind of folding their cards or whatever the case may be uh, they're definitely going to grind it out here for the Chicago native. So, uh, but right now I kind of like Wisconsin. Uh, we'll see how this thing all plays out. Okay. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of time in terms of recruiting time uh, for Miami to try and make a move here between Monday and Wednesday. Um, how about anything else worth monitoring, monitoring from a Miami perspective uh, on national signing day, I think it's what, is it 25 high school guys signed 26, 25 high school guys. Yeah. Uh, Already in the boat. So yeah, you know, basically signed a full class, at least a traditional full class size. Uh, so anything at this point is probably a plus. I mean, again, I think if anything like outlandish were to happen, um, you know, it would like cr crazy, obviously off, you know, like extreme long shot. Like, look, I mean, I think Nicholas Harbor, obviously visited Oregon this weekend. Miami didn't get him on campus. Uh, you know, just kind of from what I understand, this is an extremely weird recruitment. And, you know, it, would it be absolutely insane if you committed to Miami without visiting? Like, yeah, obviously. But again, we have to remember that the, the era of football that we are in right now, um, again, I'm not suggesting that he's going to pick Miami or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I do know that Miami has continued to recruit Nicholas Harbor, uh, you know, kind of doing all the things that they've been able to do. You know, the families have been able to meet. I think they went in home, all that stuff last week. So uh, it seems like uh, all those types of things have happened where, you know, I think the family knows what, you know, Miami, South Florida is about. Of course, again, you don't get them on campus. Typically, you don't get a commitment. And then, you know, obviously much less chance you get a signature. Uh, so uh, that's probably the only one that I'd be like, you know, if there, anything at the high school level happens, it would be Nicholas Harbor. But I'm not feeling good about that at all, uh, obviously, yeah. here. It seems like Oregon Oregon seems like the team to beat. And we've talked about his uh, ability and track 
that of course would line up with Oregon. And then also too, you know, and NIL from an NIL perspective, Oregon being tied in with Nike, that's an advantage for Oregon that they can tap into as well, in addition to having a strong football program. So we'll see. You never know. Uh, and of course, never count out Mario Cristobal in any any recruitment, but it does seem like Oregon's a team to beat. I do wonder, and I'm not like hinting at anything, like I know anything, um, but I do wonder, like, like, what if he doesn't sign? On Wednesday, what if yeah. he pushes back more? So, uh, just to take more time with it, but we'll see. Um, it's just something to monitor a little bit from a Miami perspective. All right, um, let's take a quick break here, Gabby. Get a word in from our sponsors, and then we will dive into year-over-year changes by, in terms of personnel at each position group. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial, and let's take pride in our finances. All right, Gabby, Miami, of course, went five and seven in 2022. So plenty of areas to address from a personnel perspective uh, for the 2023 Miami Hurricanes. Um, spring football is basically a month away. So right around the corner, 
Um, and, and this this discussion's mainly going to talk about the roster Miami's bringing to the table for the month of spring football. And then, you know, if, if we feel like there's some areas that still need to be addressed in the May transfer portal window, uh, we will voice those thoughts. But let's start at quarterback. And obviously, key returners there, Tyler Van Dyke, Jakari Brown. Um, the subtraction, I guess, the defection from the group, Jake Garcia, who moves on to Missouri. Um, and the addition to the group is true freshman uh, Emery Williams, who is an early enrollee. Um, so I think, you know, Here's here's where I'll start with this. I think from a depth perspective, year over year, I don't know if this group is stronger than last group. And to me, that just comes down to your belief in whether or not you feel like Jake Garcia is better than Emery Williams. Um, I think today that is the case. Um, and, you know, look, I, I'll say this. I'm still a believer in Tyler Van Dyke. I'm a long-term believer in Jakari Brown. Um, but I do think Jake is better than Emery. I think a big key for this group, of course, is keeping Tyler Van Dyke healthy in terms of giving him consistent pass protection. I feel like we kind of learned this year, right? Like Tyler's not necessarily a playmaker that can like carry an offense by himself. I think he needs the other pieces around him to perform at a high level as well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Tyler a game manager. I think he's better than that because um, he does have NFL arm talent. Um, but to me, you know, I think quarterbacks in a good spot overall. And, you know, I think particularly we'll get into offensive line, of course, but to me, the changes on the offensive line are going to help Tyler reach, you know, his potential more so than what we saw here in 2022. So overall, Gabby, what are your thoughts on quarterback? I think that this room, I would, again, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's tough to say, maybe too early to say whether it's better year over year, what the case is. But I think the reason why maybe I probably take this quarterback room is just because, again, I mean, I guess this might be cheating, but because of the offensive line and the additions, and I just feel like the supporting cast, at least, you know, the protection up front is better. And I think Tyler Van Dyke having some more of that uh, I think is going to help elevate him. Again, you mentioned the NFL arm talent. I mean, we saw that in 2021, uh, what he could do when, you know, things were kind of just clicking around him. So I think if, uh, you know, we can get Tyler Van Dyke closer to that, you know, obviously get him healthy, all yeah. those types of things. You know, I, I still feel, you know, good about what Tyler Van Dyke can be, uh, can potentially be. Obviously, he's going to have to prove that here, you know, over the course of the spring and then, and of course in 2023. But I think you also have to be kind of, you know, I think you have to be feeling pretty good about what Jakari Brown kind of flashed at times, I guess, uh, in 2022 yeah. as a true freshman. And again, projecting, obviously, we're not saying Jakari to the 2022 or 2023 version of Jakari Brown. But, you know, looking forward, I think that there are reasons to feel good about what Jakari Brown could could eventually be. So, again, with the quarterback room, uh, you know, I'm still pretty encouraged. Uh, Emery Williams, of course, a true freshman, a three star kid coming out. I don't know that it's you know to compare him to get to with Jake Garcia who again wasn't obviously very good when he got an opportunity in 2022 right. I just think it's you know 
they're obviously two quarterbacks at different stages of their development. So it just depends if you're looking for, you know, maybe the long-term, the, the, the you know, the depth, like a three-man depth. I mean, obviously you take the room last year, but I think that, uh, you know, you, there's still reason to be very encouraged about what the quarterback room is going to be here in 2023. With this personnel grouping, let's say Miami doesn't make any more changes to the offensive personnel uh, between now and the start of the season. And let's say everything's good relatively okay from a health standpoint i still feel like tyler van dyke can throw for 3100 to 3300 yards in a 12 game season do you think that's crazy to say um i i don't just because again when we've shown that he that he can kind of put up the numbers uh i i'm still not necessarily feeling the receiver room i do think that again he's going to get help with the with the dudes up front. And I think the running back room is going to be much better too, which I think opens things up a little bit more as well. So I just think again, the outside of the receivers, the, the supporting cast has gotten much, much better. So I do think that, you know, again, he, there's going to be more help and more support around Tyler Van Dyke, you know, I guess just, you know, year over year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can, I'm not going to really push back on that. I mean, I could see this going a couple different ways, but you know, I do think he's more than capable of putting up numbers like that. And I think, too, it's important for the quarterback room to get Jakari his redshirt year this year. I think ideally, of course, again, Tyler Van Dyke's healthy the whole year, your starter the whole year. Jakari, of course, with the redshirt rule nowadays, you can play in four games and retain your redshirt status, um, which he was not able to do in 2022 as a true freshman. So hopefully he gets that opportunity here. I think he embraces the development process and understands this is a long-term situation for him. And so I do think it's big for him to have that redshirt year in 2023. All right, running back. Um, So the key key returner is Henry Parrish. Did a solid job, uh, I think, in his first year at Miami as a transfer from Ole Miss. In my opinion, Henry Parrish is best suited as a number two complimentary back. He was kind of depended on to be that number one guy in 2022. Um, And I think, you know, we saw him get, uh, you know, some some injuries here and there um, during the course of the season. I think he played in 10 games. um, And, you know, I think that's primarily... Uh, because he's not the biggest back, right? You just don't want Henry Parrish carrying the load. Again, I think he's a good role player, good complimentary back. Do you want him to be your lead back? I don't think personally that's ideal. Uh, The subtractions from the running back room, Jalen Knighton and Thad Franklin. Um, You know, look, I think Jalen Knighton, talented guy, explosive guy, the fumbles were tough to excuse last year. I think it ended up being between running and receiving uh, six fumbles for Jalen Knighton last year, five or six fumbles, um, just killer plays for an offense that was struggling anyways. Um, so those fumbles, those turnovers compounded it. That Franklin, you know, I think uh, maybe it's unfair, but I, I think the expectation was for him to be kind of that uh, 
you know, yards after contact type of back, you know, being a guy that weighs in at 240-ish, uh, never really came to fruition. I think you look at his stats on the year, he had like 15 carries for, I don't know, 30-something yards maybe against Middle Tennessee State. And after that game, he never really saw significant playing time the rest of the year. Um, so those are two losses. The additions come from the high school ranks. Mark Fletcher, four-star running back, top 100 player here at the end of the cycle for 24-7 sports. To me, good, solid, do-it-all type of back. Uh, and then Chris Johnson, one of the fastest recruits in the country with his track speed. Um, Miami also returns from injury. Don Chaney Jr. coming off a hip injury, staying in camp. And Trevante Citizen coming off a knee injury he sustained in camp too. So, Gabby, as I look at this group, to me, I'm, I like the talent, but I'm worried about the floor of the group because I think I think you're depending on a guy in Henry Parrish who isn't the biggest back. I think you need Trevante Citizen to come back healthy, which hopefully is the case. Don Chaney, who's kind of had an injury history, you need him to be healthy. And then you're looking at two freshman backs who I think are good, but are they ready to be significant contributors in 2023? Maybe a Mark Fletcher is in the second half of the season. Um, so to me, there's kind of like two questions here that this group needs to answer. Is there a big back that can carry the load? And who can threaten the defenses from an explosiveness standpoint that Jalen Knighton brought to the field, right? And again, I think parting ways with Jalen Knighton is fine, but did you replace the explosive threat he was to defenses in the position group. I think Christopher Johnson can bring that in time. Can he bring that right away? I don't know. So this probably sounds like I'm not as high on this group as I am. It's just to me, it's, it's, it's a wide swath in terms of what this position group can be. I think it can be pretty good. But I think if the same injury luck happens that we saw this year, I think it can be underwhelming. I, I, don't, I don't know where – I don't think from, like, top to bottom, I don't know if the running back room is exactly where you want it to be. You mentioned, like, the home run threat. Yeah, Chris Johnson could be that, but he, I don't think he's that right now. Like, I don't think as a true freshman we should expect to see that from Christopher is Johnson. going to get on the field. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I think maybe I think maybe Christopher Johnson's best best chance to get on the field as a true freshman is maybe in the return game, just because right. he has that electrifying speed where you know you kind of give him you know what a 10, 15 yard head start. I think he can definitely you know beat people. So I think that that's maybe where we could see him. Uh, I don't see you know even as a ball carrier, David. Even as a recruit, you know, again, not necessarily a knock on him, but we don't know if he's even the most natural running back at this stage of his development, you know, I think he still has a ways to go in, in, in that regard. I think, you know, he could sure. be more, maybe more of a gadget guy, which is, again, which is, is fine. You know, he's someone that has that electrifying speed, that home run threat, but I don't think we're going to see that from him, you know, here in 2023. So does Miami have that home run hitter 
Uh, again, I, I just don't think we know that yet. Uh, so with Trevante Citizen, is he definitely 100% back healthy? I think, you know, that's that's something that we still need to kind of see, right? Just kind of coming off major yep. knee surgery. Uh, that's always a concern. And then Mark Fletcher, uh, obviously, I, again, I think he could be an instant impact guy. I think, uh, you know, he's someone that proved, at least at the All-American Bowl, that he can do, uh, you know, all the little things that, he kinda, that you kind of need to do. As a running back, David, I know that uh, one thing that you always have with those young backs is just like, how are they going to be in pass protection? I think that's something that we might need to see from Fletcher before we really know uh, what he can be here as a freshman. But in terms of just like toting the rock, uh, I think Mark Fletcher's physically, uh, you know, in you know, I think he's physically ready to kind of be, you know, a college Great. back. Uh, it was kind of crazy uh, at that battle Miami on Sunday, David. I don't know if you caught it, but Mark Fletcher was standing next to Clinton Portis uh talking you know just kind of having a chat and it's just like it was kind of just another reminder of how massive mark fletcher is because he really you know kind of towered over someone who played for years in the nfl um so mark fletcher physically is 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 really good but again even throughout his high school career you know he suffered through some injuries he he missed some of his junior he missed time of his junior year i know he was held out of you know like contact situations i think going into his junior year because they wanted to kind of preserve him uh, he's someone that's ran the ball a lot. You know, he's kind of been a feature back up there at American at American Heritage since he was a freshman. Uh, so, you know, again, there's there, the talent level is is great. Uh, but again, I think we still need to kind of see what this what this unit is kind of capable of doing. I feel better about the room going into 2023 than maybe I did going into 2022. Uh, just because we saw what happened and how quickly they, that depth got decimated uh, with a couple injuries there. And, uh, you know, Don Chaney's healthy and back too. So, you know, he's someone that provides, you know, a little bit more depth. Henry Parrish, obviously probably going to be the guy, but I think top to bottom, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little bit better, uh, you know, here coming into this next season than I was coming into this previous one. I think I feel the same if I'm being fair, um, you know, Again, I'm not like pounding the table that Jalen Knighton's going to be this guy that they miss significantly, but he was still a guy that came into last year with some proven ability. Definitely. It just didn't work out, right? Um, you know, I I don't think, like, I would assume, I'm not like reporting anything, I would assume we're not going to see Trevante Citizen in the spring, just hold them out due to the nature of that injury, right? So I don't think we're going to necessarily get answers there. And I love Mark Fletcher, but just, you know, relying on a true freshman back, um, you know, that arrives in the summer, he's not an early enrollee. Yeah. We'll see. And I think he's, to me, the the biggest reason beyond like, he's got the size, I, he's got the intelligence to play Definitely. right away to me. Yeah. So uh, I'm a fan of Mark Fletcher. It's just, you know, to me, this group, because I think Henry Parrish is is steady Eddie, right? Like, I think you know what we're going to get from Henry Parrish. It comes down to like, okay, what's Don Chaney going to be able to provide? What's Trevante Citizen going to be able to provide? Um, and then if those guys aren't, you know, ready to go or able to go, then you're, then you're turning to Mark Fletcher. So to me, this is just me. I think it would be wise to go get another back in the portal, just someone that's, you know, produced somewhat at the college level, just to raise the floor of that group. Because uh, last year, the bottom kind of fell out when with all these running back injuries last year, and it was a tough situation. That's, you know, we talk about 
Jakari, Jakari Brown losing his red shirt, really the reason why he lost his red shirt was because of the poor production in short yardage situations running the ball. Um, anyway, so I, so I would give this group a B minus. Would you push back on that? No, I think that's pretty fair. I do. I also agree that they either should have or still can go get one in the portal. And I think that could help the room a lot. I think there was options and that they kind of, you know, either passed up or for whatever reason didn't explore. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that this, I think that they should go get a portal guy. I think as it stands right now, B minus, I think it's fine. Wide receiver. Um, You know, they lost Keyshawn Smith to the portal. They lost Romello Brinson to the portal. Uh, they return Xavier Restrepo, Colby Young, Richard Smith, Frank Ladson, Mike Redding. Uh, I'm sure there's other guys I'm, I'm kind of forgetting, but those were the major uh, contributors in terms of production and snaps. Um, additions to the room, Nathaniel Joseph, who is an early enrollee freshman, and Robbie Washington who is also an early enrollee freshman. So, um, you know, Gabby, I think it's it's obvious. You look at this group, uh, most of the talent to me in this group is in the slot. You look at Xavier Restrepo, Bashard Smith had a sneaky little productive season. There's still more to tap into there, I think. But you look at his numbers compared to everyone else, he's one of the leading returning receivers. Uh, you know, I think Nathaniel Joseph, who's an incoming freshman sl- or early enrollee freshman slot receiver, I think he's a dynamic talent. Robbie Washington, to me, is a guy that can play outside a little bit, but I think you play him inside for the most part. Um, so to me, most of the talent is in the slot. If we're looking at outside, you know, Colby Young, I think, flashed some. Uh, but I think as defenses learn more about him and frankly, you know, once Tyler Van Dyke got hurt, his production dipped, uh, but Colby Young did flash contested catchability as a big bodied receiver. Frank Latson, uh, was okay at times as like, a, a a quick slant target, uh, in the middle of the field. That's where his uh production was felt the most uh jacoby george is a guy i guess i haven't named yet i think you know there's something there in terms of talent but you know and he did deal with a what was it a thumb or a wrist or a hand injury of some sort last year yeah and a suspension and a suspension so it just hasn't clicked there i think too like you know he's got to level up in the weight room and build up his body some show that he cares in that regard. Um, and so, look, I, I, you know, to me, outside receiver especially is just kind of meh. Like, I think Colby Young can probably be a decent number two receiver. Uh, but I don't know if there's like a, there isn't a wide receiver one on the outside that scares defenses. And, and you know, look, if we're being honest, Gabby, the talent acquisition at outside receiver was not good enough. In my opinion, they needed to throw numbers at it in terms of bodies, uh, you know, at the high school level and transfer level, quite frankly, which is what we saw at the other problem area position group in the offensive line. 
uh, but for some reason it just didn't happen at wide receiver. You know, they went big game hunting, I think, chasing guys like Brandon Innes, Hakeem Williams down the stretch. You know, earlier in the fall, they made a run at Tyler Williams, who ended up at Georgia. You look at other guys that they flirted with in one way or another, Jalen Brown, Malachi Coleman, Tayshawn Lyons, Micah Mays, Andy Jean, William Foles. Like, in my opinion, these are some guys that could help Miami, and it, they, of course, landed elsewhere. Um, and, and part of this to me, Gabby, is due to having your wide receivers coach also serve as your offensive coordinator. Uh, when you're coordinating an offense, it's tough to really recruit to the level you need to recruit if you're, you know, I think that's why from a staff construction standpoint, having your OC as your quarterback's coach makes a ton of sense because then typically you just got to recruit one position and typically he's in the boat by the start of the fall. Right. Uh, At wide receiver, I think it's a lot to handle when your offensive coordinator is also your wide receivers coach and you have to significantly upgrade the talent in the room and devote numbers to it. Um, So anyways, that's a long way of me saying like, they need a dog recruiter in that wide receiver <laughs> coach uh, position on this staff. And also, I I just think it was a like, I, I really do like Nathaniel Joseph and Robbie Washington. There's something there. But in terms of like, I do think it's a disappointment that they didn't land two other guys that they could develop as outside receivers or even land a transfer portal guy that could come in and be a wide receiver one. And again, part of that is due to the uncertainty at the wide receiver coach yeah. position once the season ended. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad year over year uh, change, but it just wasn't enough, if that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of just hindsight, like I think like you just picking a name out of the ones you mentioned, like I think missing on Jalen Brown ended up hurting maybe a lot more over the summer, just because I feel like he's kind of, you know, what you need a a speedy outside guy who can, you know, get behind, you know, can get behind the defense and, you know, kill you, you know, be a, you know, sure. Did he have his flaws as a receiver? Definitely. But then, you know, you kind of turn on that all American bowl and, you know, I thought he performed well. I know he performed well. He performed well all week. Like, I feel like that's someone Miami just couldn't afford to lose again not the perfect receiver definitely had some issues, you know, at times with drops and all that stuff, but this was a situation where you needed to throw again, kind of throw bodies to it. And I, I get, they went big fish hunting, but again, if we can kind of fast, if we can like, you know, rewind to like May, June, you know, that area, I think maybe the approach would have been a little bit different, of course, with the benefit of all that. And then the transfer portal stuff, I agree. I think they should have just even just thrown a couple bodies, even if it wasn't like, say, hey, their favorite guys, I think whatever, I think throwing anything on the outside, maybe some size, whatever the case yep. may be to it would have been the way to go. I do Little feel like maybe picky. I thought they got, I thought they got, yeah, I definitely thought they got too picky in the transfer portal. I didn't think there was any particular reason to be uh, the alternative is going into spring practice, spring football with exactly uh, what you kind of finished the season with minus the, you know, those transfer guys, I mean, the guys that left the program, the Keyshawn Smith, Romello Brinson, 
uh, those types. And look, I'm just kind of touching on the the incoming freshmen. Like I, I believe that they are relying on Nathaniel Joseph to be a guy for them in 2023 as a true freshman. You know, he's someone that they've invested a lot of time into recruiting, uh, flipped him from Clemson. I think that they're telling him that he could, he's going to have a role on this offense. And I believe that he will get on the field early, he's but again, yeah, yeah, no, he's a good, he's a really good player. I mean, he's an, he's an electric playmaker, but like you said, he's a slot. I still think that there's again, and nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying he's a slot, like, Oh, he's a slot. Like, right. you know, they need dudes on the outside again, a wide receiver, one type. I, again, I'm not saying you needed to sign one, but at least someone that you can throw into the mix there and be like, Hey, let's see what happens here. Bet on the speed of a Jalen Brown or even Andy Jean, who's like, you know, kind of like a, a jack of all trades at wide receiver. I think that they kind of, you know, they obviously, you know, took their foot off the gas there. Micah Mays. Uh, Micah Mays is someone, again, I I think, I I do think that they pressed for Micah Mays, but I mean, those are recruitments that you kind of got to win. You William know? Like, Foles when, to me is also good enough to play at Miami. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I mean, maybe that's, that, that might be the one I'd probably push back on uh, of the, of the bunch. That's fair. But still, but I mean, he's, he is, he's a big, he is a big body. I mean, he he's a guy that has you know a, a wide catch radius all that stuff again some but something somebody somewhere i think i just i just think going into spring with the room exactly as is uh you know plus the true freshman um to me is just it, it's a little surprising and sure maybe the josh gaddis thing and the uncertainty of the receiver room and who the oc is going to be I, I think those are all fair points and if you're a receiver it's almost like why would you do that but i bet you could have found the receiver somewhere that would have been willing yeah. to transfer to the university of Miami. Like, I think there are other situations where people have gone to that have a lot more blurriness or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think that they should have just, even if it was one that they're like, Hey, let's just kind of see. Um, I mean, I think that they had, it seems like they had the roster flexibility to do it. I don't think that they were tight on numbers. Uh, I don't think they would be like, Hey, we really, really, really need these two spots to hit. So maybe we got to save them for may or whatever it is like, my best understanding of it is that they were operating as though they could add basically 40 total between the transfer portal and high school kids. They signed 28 high school kids, eight in the transfer portal. What? That's 33? 35. So, 35? Okay, 30, 33. 35. Yeah, 33. You're right. 33? Sorry. I mean, that's I mean, that's at least seven spots or so that they probably had to use. Again, they can still use them in that May transfer window, but I do think that that's a little risky because – you don't really know what's going to be in there. That again, long-winded answer, but that's kind of my take on the on the receiver room right now. I'd give it, and maybe this is harsh. I don't know, but like, I give it a C. Yeah, oh, I thought I was going to go. I was going. I was thinking you're going to go C minus, and I was going to be like, yeah, it's kind of fair. Okay. Yeah, um, I think C's good. There's just, it just blows my mind. Like you look at the University of Miami wide receiver room, and there's no speed that scares you yeah. there really i mean there's some speed right but i don't know it's not the fastest group of receivers yeah um tight end you know i like what they're doing there um i think a lot of it so you lose of course will mallory to the nfl uh you need elijah arroyo to make a full recovery from his knee deal that he sustained in practice during the season uh you need Jaleel Skinner to level up with his getting bigger and stronger and uh, consistent consistency catching the ball. I like the addition of Cam McCormick, the Oregon transfer as a run blocking presence on the line of scrimmage at tight end. Uh, and then the the incoming freshmen, you know, I think they're Riley Williams and Jackson Carver. 
early enrollee guys that are already on campus, big bodies, uh, pretty good athleticism. I think they can get it done blocking and in the receiving game potentially. So I don't know, not much to really say there. I think the, you know, if everything goes right, I think this group overall can be a A A minus. I think my grade right now, because I got to see it before I put that type of grade on it. But right now to me, it's like a B plus. But I think if Elijah Royo is healthy, takes the next step. I think if Jaleel Skinner takes the next step. And I think if Cam McCormick comes in and is that run blocking tight end, we expect him to be, that can be an A minus A group. Yeah, I, I saw Cam McCormick, you know, just kind of being at the at, at Miami during that uh, elite prospect day. I mean, he looks like a guy again. He's a veteran. He looks like a veteran. Definitely a big body that looks like he can definitely help contribute in that. You know, as as a blocker, uh, Elijah Arroyo. I, I I watched saw him a few times. I didn't see him wa- at least walking around with any like braces on or anything like that. So I think that's encouraging. It seems like he's working out. Again, is he someone that's going to participate in the spring? I mean, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah. wasn't. Uh, Jaleel Skinner looks like he's physically maturing, uh, you know, kind of came in, you know, kind of lean and narrow. He definitely looks like he's getting wider. Uh, he looks like he's kind of, you know, bulking up. So I think that's really encouraging, too. So, yeah, you know, I do think that this this tight end room is 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 a good one. And you mix in the, you know, the young guys, uh, you know, Riley Williams, Jackson Carver and you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if I expect Jackson Jackson Carver to contribute, but or really even Riley Williams. Yeah, but uh, you know, I think both. yeah, I would I would definitely slap a red shirt on both those guys. But I think even the future of the room with those guys is, is encouraging too. So I, I like what they're doing at tight end. I think you need to stack another another big time class. You know, another big a couple more big time talents on top of them. But you know, I think they've done a good job of acquiring you know blue chip you know t- really talented tight ends, and I think that that's. I think that's showing now that these guys are all getting, you know, older. Offensive line. So this is the position group that has been flipped year yeah. over year. And I would argue you'd be hard pressed to find a position group in the country that has been flipped more effectively than what Miami's done on the offensive line. So you lose starters, Ja'Kai Clark and John Campbell to the transfer portal. Uh, you return Zion Nelson who didn't really play last year because of an injury uh, he sustained in the summer. You return Jalen Rivers. Uh, you return Inez Cooper, who was a part-time starter once the injuries really uh, took hold of the position group there in the last month of the season or so. The additions, Javian Cohen from Alabama, uh, Matt Lee from UCF, uh, Francis Maui Goa, five-star uh, early enrollee freshman and Samson Okanlola, five-star early enrollee freshman. So, uh, you know, I think you can look at this in many different ways, but uh, I think if you look at, let's just talk the veterans alone, right? Let's leave the the incoming five-star freshman out of this discussion. But if you look at the veterans, Zion Nelson, Jalen Rivers, Matt Lee, Javian Cohen, to me, they're four veterans that can be at least, you know, late round NFL draft picks somewhere, you know, sixth, seventh round. It wouldn't be a shock if all of those guys got picked somewhere in a future NFL draft. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, Francisco Maui Goa and Samson Okanlola have first, second round potential upside. And I think they're going to be guys that contribute immediately 
especially Fran Francis. Uh, and, and also too, all this is a trickle down in terms of your depth. The top eight, you know, when you talk about offensive line, you got to talk about at least your top eight. And so, you know, we've just named those six, those top six, uh, seven could be what? Inez Cooper. Yeah, I would say eight, so. Eight could be Matthew McCoy, Jonathan Dennis, wherever mm -hmm. you want to go with that. So to me, uh, they have significantly improved the upside ceiling talent of the offensive line, and they've improved the depth too. Uh, and look, this is, this is what Mario Cristobal wants his offense to look like. Power spread, control the line of scrimmage. That's the formula he used at Oregon to beat Ohio State. Um, and I think year over year, like I give this group an A minus A. And I think if, if they're all healthy, if the health is relatively okay, uh, I think this group, is going to be one of the better offensive lines in the ACC this year. I'm really excited about this offensive line. Uh, I mean, for all the reasons you said, uh, you go get a big time center in Matt Lee. Uh, you go get, you know, an SEC starter in Javian Cohen. Uh, you bring back Zion Nelson, Jalen Rivers. I mean, I think those are four, those are four starters, uh, unless some of the fresh, uh, you know, one of the freshmen have anything to say about that. And then again, you bring in those two young guns, man. I mean, you, I mean, Francis and, and Samson, I think are two guys who are physically, you know, ready to play. You, you basically give them eight full months in a college strength program before they even touch the field at that point. You know, I think it's obviously they're true freshmen, but, you know, having spent a whole spring, a whole summer and, and fall camp, you know, with, with these guys, I mean, these guys, I mean, these guys are going to have a great understanding of, you know, at least what's expected of them at that point. And again, their physical maturity is going to increase just being again in, in that sort of regimen. So super excited about, uh, you know, the, the year over year improve, improvements on the offensive line. And again, this is where it's always started. This is where it's always started in the mind of, of, of Mario Cristobal and these guys, it starts in the trenches. And I think attacking the offensive line was a priority. And I think it was mission accomplished uh, if you're those guys. All right. So offense overall. I think, Gabby, if the offensive line is what we think it is and keeps Tyler Van Dyke healthy, uh, if the running backs can stay relatively healthy, if they can land some sort of outside receiver in that May transfer portal window, I think it's definitely conceivable for this offense to score 30 points per game, which Honestly, 30 points in modern day college football is average. It puts you at like number 50 overall in the country, but that would still be a significant jump from what we had to watch in 2022 with Miami averaging 23 points per game. So I think a touchdown per game is attainable. And honestly, Gabby, I think that would be the, I would, I think that would even be the case if they had brought back Josh Gaddis uh, simply because I think the offensive line is going to make that much of an improvement in the overall operation of this offense. Uh, would you push back on any of those expectations? No, again, I, I think that's fair. And, and this is again, without even the scope of who's going to be calling plays next year. I mean, I think if, yeah. you know, the right offensive coordinator comes in or someone that you know, we see as, you know, an exciting, you know, play caller, whatever it is. I think that, you know, you can even pretend, I mean, maybe that could be potentially elevated. And again, who knows what that even attracts 
in that May transfer window, they could they could still even you know add some more stuff to the to you know the offense as a whole, maybe even then. So no, you know, I mean, I think we can stay up. Opt- I think we can you know be optimistic about what this offense could be like. Again, you you attached you attacked you attacked a, an extreme need on the offensive line, and I think again. Like we've talked to, I, I know you've harped on it, David. I have, to, I mean, I've kind of, you know, backed you up there. I mean, with the offensive line, when the offensive line significantly improves like that, I think it helps everything else just kind of go, like, just be better. And I think it helps Tyler Van Dyke. It helps, it helps the running backs. Uh, you know, I think it helps the receivers. I think everyone gets better because of what they did to improve the offensive line. So uh, hopefully, I, I mean, I would expect to see some, some real improvement, uh, assuming that everyone stays healthy and, everything kind of goes as planned there. All right. So let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into defensive thoughts. Every sport has their big juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. All right, Gabby, uh, let's run through defense here at a relatively quicker pace. Uh, Defensive end. Uh, I really like the top three returning. Akeem Mesador, Jafari Harvey. Nigelie Kelly. Um, they lose year over year Mitchell Agude. He's going to be the biggest loss. He moves on to pursue a career at the next level. And then Elijah Roberts moves on to SMU. Um, but I do like that top three. You also have Chance Williams coming back, who's played uh, plenty of snaps as a backup here during his career. Uh, I think, too, you look at a guy that has some position versatility, Branson Dean out of Purdue. He primarily will play defensive tackle, but he's played a little bit here and there on the edge too. Uh, Ruben Bain is an early enrollee freshman, I think could push for, I don't know, 10 to 15 snaps per game as a true freshman, uh, especially the second half of the season. To me, a guy like Cyrus Moss, who is a highly touted, guy from last year's recruiting class probably still needs another year of uh, getting stronger putting weight on um, but he is still an intriguing talent to me uh, but overall you know I think this defensive end group is good especially that top three and I think look if Mesador can level up a little bit even if he kind of just stays at the same level he showed this year that's going to be plenty good enough Jafari Harvey, I still think there's more meat on the bone there for him to improve on from a technique standpoint. Uh, Nigel Kelly, though, is where this group, I think, can potentially level up the most. Agreed. Uh, Major talent there. But again, he's young, and we'll see how the developmental process goes uh, during the month of spring football. I'm super excited about Nigel Kelly and uh, I think we saw him flash as a true freshman. Again, I think now just with a whole year under his belt, uh, we we got to remember he's still pup, you know, he's still a younger guy. And, uh, you know, what he's already been able to do at the collegiate level is really, really impressive. And I think, you know, he's, I think he can just take a whole next step here in his true sophomore season. 
Um, so really excited about him. And then all the other dudes you mentioned, I mean, you got, you still got chance Williams. I think the depth overall, uh, in the edge room is really exciting. Jaden Wayne, again, really, I mean, for those that haven't seen him in person, I mean, I think he's a, a guy that physically looks, uh, like a college, yeah. you know, edge rusher. So, you know, who knows what he looks like by the time, uh, you know, August rolls around or anything like that, but just even ahead of the spring kind of, I'm kind of curious to see how he looks out there. And then Cyrus Moss again, someone that we could be excited about. And maybe we even start to see a little bit more of him now in the, in the spring of his uh, red shirt freshman season. So uh, I think a lot to be excited about. I think the talent in the room is, is really big time. I mean, you throw in Ruben Bain. I mean, we, we absolutely love him here. Uh, glad that Miami got him in early. So I think that's a room that Miami's doing a lot of really, really great things at. And they just got to continue to stack the stack talent because uh, I think that room's trending definitely in the right direction. Yeah. And got to develop too. these guys. I think there's still room for them to keep improving as well. These returners. Uh, I'd probably give this group a B B plus. Would you push back on that? No, I think that, I think that's fair. Again, I think that there's, I, I think, uh, you know, Akeem Mesador obviously uh, he, when he was healthy and he was kind of good, showed a lot. Nigel Kelly, right. I think, someone that we're still waiting to kind of see, take that next step. I'd probably go B plus just because I don't know, maybe I'm being optimistic, but I do like the overall talent in the room. So I'd probably go B plus with the, with the edge rushers. Defensive tackle. Uh, you return Leonard Taylor, Jared Harrison hunt and Jake Lichtenstein, the additions uh, via the portal. Again, Branson Dean from Purdue, and Thomas Gore, both those guys, uh, from the portal flashed pass rushing ability at their other college stops. So I do feel like from a pass rushing perspective, Miami might be improved year over year. Uh, I do think there is, I think it is worth pointing out. Okay. Could they use maybe another big body defensive tackle that could help with run stopping efforts they lost Daryl Jackson to FSU, which really I think uh, is the only defection that Miami would tell you uh, mattered to them. They also lost Jordan Miller at defensive tackle, Alan Hay, and Antonio Moultrie, who is graduated. Um, at the high school level, Josh Horton, I think he's got long-term potential. I wouldn't bank on him to make too much of an impact. I'm curious about the development of Ahmad Moten. Uh, again, he's a young guy still at defensive tackle, but uh, flashed a little bit there at the end of the season. But to me, you know, this position group kind of boils down to Leonard Taylor leveling up and also to Jared Harrison Hunt. And I think for Jared Harrison Hunt, it, it comes down more, more so to health, like, uh, you know, I think if he's healthy, he he's a dependable player there. But Leonard Taylor, to me, uh, do I want to say this? I don't know. Uh, I'm going through my head if I really believe this. But to me, Leonard Taylor is the most talented player on the team. And I think when he's at his best, he's a first-round talent. Um, the problem, though, is the motor runs inconsistent at times and I think the technique uh, at times is not where it needs to be but he did take a step forward in 2022 
there's a lot more meat on the bone in terms of improvement that he can make in 2023, both from getting uh, getting stronger, uh, adding a little more weight to his frame. I think if Leonard Taylor is right, he can be a game wrecker in the middle. Will he be that, to me, is the biggest question. Um, but if he... If Miami can tap into that potential, they've got one of the better defensive tackles in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think for Leonard Taylor, it's about probably just I mean, at least short term about getting healthy. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to play this spring, David. I don't know how much we want to go into that, um, but it, it seems I think like he, he played through a shoulder deal. It's yeah. fair to say. So yeah. he might have had to get cleaned up. Yeah. Um, but what I'm speaking to honestly is more of like a mentality thing, yeah. right? Like the pursuit of constant development and, right. uh, you know, throwing yourself into that process, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I think Leonard Taylor, I, I, I feel like when he flashed, like when he kind of had his moments, I feel like they were as good as, as kind of anyone. And you kind of look at the, I mean, how it depends how much stock you put into those P, those pro football focus grades, but he graded out as one of the what 10 best interior defensive linemen, uh, according to pro football focus. And again, I think that's just more of a testament to like when he's kind of rolling, I, he, he's really, really good. But like you said, David, I think, uh, you know, he also has the times where again, it doesn't run maybe the way it needs to. And uh, when I think if he can kind of get it to go, if he can get himself to a point mentally where he can just go and go and go, uh, you know, stick to his, you know, do his, you know, play his assignment, all those different types of things. I think that, uh, you know, again, I mean, from a talent standpoint, I don't think you saying he's a first round talent is far fetched at all because what what did we have him ranked as the number three overall player in the in that 2021 class, which yeah, is basically like us that. saying that Leonard Taylor is you know a first round talent, uh, you know ultimately. So I don't think that that's a I don't think that's a far fetched statement at all. I think that's what we hoped he would be when uh, you know when Miami uh, landed him over Florida you know a couple years ago. So um, overall, yeah, I mean, I, the defensive tackle room, I think again, uh, like kind of mentioned earlier, I think it's, I think they needed, I still think they need to go get a guy. Um, I think they need kind of a big, you know, maybe run stuffer type Branson Dean, Thomas Gore, like you mentioned two more, maybe interior kind of pass rushers, guys that can create pressure, maybe guys that can just go, which, which could be fine. You know, those guys are, are habit creators, but I do think you need, uh, the type that, you know, can kind of be a, a plug in the middle of the defense. And David, I think when we were talking about Jamil Howard, uh, that's what we're kind of alluding to that Miami feels like they're missing that type of, of guy on the roster. So uh, maybe they go get one. Uh, you mentioned Ahmad Moten and his development. I think he's someone that could potentially be that down the road. Is he that right now? Um, not quite sure yet, uh, but I do think that this uh, def- this interior defensive line still uh, maybe needs a little bit more of an upgrade before I'm feeling super great about it. Yeah, it's a little light. Um, yeah. Maybe and maybe Jake Lichtenstein can be impactful in that way, just from like a wingspan yeah. perspective, because he is long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if they had brought back the the thing that hurts, like Daryl Jackson's very good at that run stopping defensive yeah. tackle role, and pairing him with Leonard Taylor is like perfect. You know, if you were gonna pick any defensive tackle in the country to play next to Leonard Taylor, Daryl Jackson would be near the top of that list uh, from a fit perspective. Uh, So it's a tough loss there. Uh, But 
maybe this inspires Leonard Taylor to take his game up to another level too. Uh, so we'll see. I would give this group a B, B plus. Yeah. I think Leonard Taylor lower. keeps, I, I think I would go solid B. Okay. Uh, linebacker. Oh, and, and going back to D tackle. I think that'll be a position that's explored in the, in the May window. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, linebacker. So key returners would be Wesley Passaint, Corey Flagg, Keontre Smith. Uh, I would put even like Chase Smith there, even though he's coming off an injury and hasn't really played much. I think there's something there from a talent perspective. The additions to the group would be Francisco Maui Goa, brother of Francis, starter at Washington State. Then you got a bunch of freshmen. You got Malik Bryant, Bobby Washington, Raul Aguirre, and Marcella, Marcellus Pulliam. Uh, subtractions would be Wayman Steed, graduate, Caleb Johnson, graduate, and Avery Huff is a transfer. Uh, so to me, Gabby, you know, look, I think as long as this group doesn't sustain significant injuries, I'm cool with it. I think you project uh, Francisco as your starting middle linebacker. I think you project Wesley as your starting weak side linebacker. If Corey Flagg wants to hang around uh, and, and doesn't want to hit the portal in May, I think that's a nice third linebacker that can play middle or weak. Keontre Smith is a fine depth guy who's played plenty at weak side. Um, so I think this room is fine as long as injuries don't pile up, but that is a physical position. I'd probably give this group a B. I think the depth needs to be leveled up still. Um, but as long as Wesley and Francisco are on the field together, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I, I really like those top two, uh, the Francisco Malagoa, Wesley Besaint. Love that top two. I just feel like it kind of, I feel like we're still too close to that. You know, I, I still feel like it's too close to the guys that have maybe kind of hindered or maybe held back that linebacker room in the past. Um, again, Corey Flagg, I think as a complimentary piece is, 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 is okay. But I think, uh, I think Miami still needs to kind of, you know, continue to, I think like when maybe this group of freshmen are sophomores next year, and maybe you have the same situation, but maybe most, some of those guys are more ready to play. I'll feel better about it than maybe I do going into this yeah. just because again, at the end of the day, Corey flag is physically limited. Uh, you know, just kind of being a smaller guy. Um, you know, I think you could probably say the same about Keontra Smith that again, yep. just physically limited. And I think some of these linebackers that they went out to go get, you know, intentionally are physically get, you know, they're, they're longer, they're six Bigger. foot two plus yep. they're, they're, you know, all those things are athletic dudes. Um, so I think that's just more of what it needs to look like. So I think in terms of just like what a linebacker at the power five level or, or a linebacker room at the power five level should look like, um, you know, I still think Miami's kind of, you know, I think they're creeping closer towards it. I think they're getting better with those top two um, in terms of just like the, you know, down to down basis guys that'll be on the field more. But uh, again, you, I feel like you're still one injury away from being in a very, yeah. very similar spot that you were in 2021 and 2022 and all those places. And uh, that's probably why I'd maybe go a little bit lower on the grade. 
um, just because of like the overall depth. But again, I, I, as long if, if if you tell if you can guarantee me Francisco Malagoa and Wesley Besaint, you know, are you know that they play 12 games in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely go BB plus and, you know, kind of feel really good about it. But uh, obviously we can't do that. B minus might be fair, uh, maybe even C plus. I don't know, depending on injuries. Uh, but yeah, it's still a group that needs to be addressed from a talent acquisition standpoint. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERCLawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. Cornerback. So this is an interesting group. Um, So they lose Tyreek Stevenson to the NFL draft. DJ Ivey has graduated. Isaiah Dunson transfer. And Kamari Rogers transfer. Key returners are... To Corey Couch, uh, Daryl Porter, Jaden Harris, Chris Graves, Emily Curtis. They add Devontae Brown as a transfer from UCF and Terry Roberts as a transfer from UCF. Their high school signees are Damari Brown, Robert Stafford, and Antoine Jackson. So um, in my opinion, Gabby, and this is a weird I'll admit this is a weird take. I think the talent isn't as good, but I do think there's a chance this group plays better if they are more connected and more on the same page as a group, you know, communicating with the safeties and preventing all those busts that took place last year. Um, I would still take Tyreek and DJ. I think over any of these projected starters, um, but for whatever reason, the secondary produced a lot of busts last year. Yeah. Um, 
And so to me, that's the big challenge for this group. And it's a group that has played plenty of snaps. Takori Couch played plenty of snaps. Daryl Porter at West Virginia played plenty. Devontae Brown played plenty. So, and Terry Roberts, you know, hasn't really played a ton, but he's an older guy that is respected for his acumen. Um, if that group can kind of limit the busts, it might end up being a better group overall year over year. But the talent, I don't think is as good. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's unfair. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just curious how it goes to kind of re- having to replace two defensive starters again, Tyreek and DJ Ivy. Uh, you know, you could say what you want about those guys, but at the end of the day, those are guys that played a lot of football uh, over the course of their careers and and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm excited about Devontae Brown. Um, just kind of, again, just kind of seeing him in person. Uh, he's a big, he's yeah. a big, he's a big long corner. Uh, you know, I think that he, again, he looks like he's someone that's probably going to slide into one of those uh, starting cornerback spots. I expect him to to be kind of an impact player, you know, at least a starter. Uh, Terry Roberts, I feel like we kind of got to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to make of Terry Roberts. Um, obviously he performed well when he was kind of, when he was started at Iowa um, and all those things, but kind of, again, looking at him, maybe looks maybe a little bit more on the smaller side. Uh, Daryl Porter, again, I mean, all these guys are a year older, a year better to Corey couch, honestly looks the best physically that I've seen him over the course of his career. Thank, you know, of course, now that he's, he's been around for a while, but he doesn't look like a, a small skinny kid anymore. Like I feel like he, he's kind of physically matured just kind of seeing him around the school recently. Um, so yeah, you know, I do think that, uh, just kind of maybe year two in this, in this defensive scheme, hopefully we see, uh, you know, fewer of those breakdowns. And I think if you, we see fewer of those breakdowns, obviously I think it's going to contribute to, you know, a better overall defensive performance. So yeah, you know, I can get on board with that. Of the freshmen and none of them, I don't think are early enrollees. No. Uh, who would you project as maybe the best chance to get some sort of role as a true freshman? I would probably say Damari Brown, just because, I mean, you look at Devontae Brown, and he, again, I've you know mentioned how physically mature he is. I think Damari Brown from, you know, in terms of like the way high school cornerbacks go, I mean, he looks yeah. as good. I mean, I, I was at the Under Armour All-American enough. game. Yeah, I was at the Under Armour All-American game, uh, you know, watched a lot of those guys rolling around. And I mean, I saw Damari, I saw Damari Brown, not you know, really a few days later, uh, you know, at the school with when all the freshmen were moving in. And I was just like, you know, Damari Brown looks as good as if not better than all those guys that I saw. And again, there was a lot of really, really big time corners there. So, um, you know, I think Damari Brown, you know, given, you know, you put him in the strength program for a little bit again, are we going to see him as a true freshman who really knows? I guess it depends on need. Um, but I could see even Damari Brown, like skipping over some of like, even like the, the second year guys, just because I think he's a, a more pure corner. And I think he, again, he kind of has already built the way that you would kind of want some of these guys to, to be built. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a year we're talking about Damari Brown as someone who's going to, you know, see significant playing time right now, though, I would probably project him as a freshman with the best chance of making an early impact. Yeah. And we'll see about how the developmental process goes for Jaden Harris, Chris Graves, yeah. Lee Curtis. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give this group though, a C plus. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's fair. I think there's a lot of question marks. So I think that that's very fair. Safety. Uh, Miami returns Cam Kitchens, James Williams. That's a good start. I think, you know, that third safety is a bit of a question mark. Uh, you do have Brian Balaam returning and Markeith Williams returning. 
Uh, they did lose Al Blades Jr., Avante Williams, Gilbert Frierson, Jalen Harrell, and Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn Washington. Keyshawn yeah. Washington, yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of turnover there at safety. Um, you know, again, I think starters are a good place to begin with this group. I think the depth needs a little work. Uh, they're also adding a true freshman in Caleb Spencer. And, uh, you know, I think Cam Kitchens uh, over the last three games of the season showed what he can be. But it was kind of a bumpy ride there in the first, what, nine games of the season. There was some busts and uh, just being out of position. Uh, not executing the assignment at times early in the season. James Williams, you know, I think he's a, he's an interesting player to me because he's, of course, massive, 6'5", 220. He's almost better to me, like, in-man coverage than he is, like, coming up and supporting the run with physicality, yeah. uh, which is interesting. Um, but two very good players, if they level up, take the next step in their development process, they could be the best safety duo in the ACC. Um, but they got to take some steps to accomplish that. You know, overall, I think I'd give this group a B, but that's simply because, you know, I think in the modern day, you got to have three safeties and I'm not sure who that third safety is right now. Yeah. And I think it's fair to have, I mean, to have questions about James Williams again, uh, you know, just I feel like obviously has all the physical tools to be, you know, really whatever it is that he wants to be. But I do feel like at times he's been either over aggressive or, you know, kind of over, you know, a lot. Of, I feel like there's things that James Williams did over the course of the 2022 seasons that, you know, you it, it kind of makes you hit the pause button when in terms of just like projecting what this room could really be. And obviously, you know, you have a first team All-American in, in Cam Kitchens, but you mentioned some of those early season struggles. And I think what part of the, bu the bust in coverage, I think, you know, you can point at Cam Kitchens and feel like he, you know, potentially played a role in, in some of that as well. So, um, you know, I feel like a B is fair for the safeties, uh, James Williams. So, I mean, honestly, I have questions about what, about the number two safety. I mean, I know it's probably going to be James Williams, yeah. but I mean, I still have plenty of questions there in terms of just like what he actually is and, you know, what he's going to, you know, be, uh, you know, in terms of just being an actual safety, like, is he really even an actual safety? Again, if we're projecting towards the next level, like if he, if someone were to, were to, were to roll the dice on him, you know, on draft day, whether it's after this season or after next, would you be surprised if the New Orleans Saints, you know, drafted James Williams and it, you know, they drafted him as a linebacker? Like, I wouldn't be super surprised. So like, as just a pure safety uh, you know, I, I, I still have my questions about James Williams. And then, yeah, I have uh, definitely have questions about, what the what the third safety is going to be so i think that that's a room that uh you know again it felt like for a few years there miami went on a pretty a pretty serious run of just acquiring talent but uh you know obviously some of it has fizzled out and uh you know with avante williams leaving and then james williams kind of maybe not you know be you know not not, I'm not gonna say not living up to the billing but maybe still it maybe still being a work in progress in terms of being a true safety so um yeah i feel like b is probably fair uh, if for you know that that group overall yeah I mean I'm not against the idea of, of moving James Williams up a level like to that linebacker level but yeah. again my concern is that physicality you got to yeah. be a physical player if you're playing 
in the yeah. front seven. And that's just not consistently there with him to yeah. this point. So I agree. It's something something to keep an eye on, though, uh, during spring football. Um, defense overall, and then we'll get out of here. So in my opinion, Gabby, in the portal, I think ideally Miami adds a run-stopping defensive tackle. Maybe they go find another corner that can level up the talent there. Um, and I'll just say this, you know, look, I think if it were up to me, I'd probably go in a different direction at coordinator because you look at the results and to me, there's just no excuse to give up at least 40 points to five different opponents. That's unacceptable. Um, and this defense had holes, but not to that level, in my opinion. Uh, but on the flip side, I do think there's a case on defense for cohesion to be made. And I think when a defense plays in a connected manner and they're all on the same page, um, there's something to be said for that. And so that's the reason to not make a change at coordinator. Uh, but you look at the results, Miami allowed 26.8 points per game last year, which ranked 67th overall in the country. Um, you know, I, I do think that average is a little misleading because yes, Miami allowed 40 points to five different opponents on the flip side, they face some really, really, really bad offenses like Virginia, Virginia tech, Georgia tech, uh, which I guess helped balance out that average to number 67 in a good way, I guess. Um, but I do think if I look at this personnel group, I think they can be a defense that allows 24-ish points per game, 24-25, but without the wild swings, if that makes sense. So like a more consistent to that number of 24-25 rather than 45 points here and 13 points there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sure. I think the goal on defense is to be more consistent week to week to week. Uh, of course, limit the busts we saw uh, at times in 2022. But overall, I do think this defense, in terms of looking at the stats and the results, can be improved. But there's st in terms of just personnel and talent, to me, there's still a long ways to go on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of room for, you know, this defense to grow. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for this offense to grow. But again, I think that what's going to be important is seeing those, you know, year-to-year -year improvements. And again, I think without the the swings of just like, all right, like, yeah, you maybe you average, you know, 28 points per game, but then you get, like we said, you gave up 40 points five times. And then, you know, you gave up, you know, 17 points a few times. It, it's got to be, you know, something more level. And again, I do think maybe, you know, keeping the continuity on defense and, you know, just not making changes on offense and defense and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I think you kind of, I don't know, I'm fine with keeping Kevin Steele around, um, you know, for another year, kind of see how all this stuff goes. Uh, but really, I think that we need to see something different. I, I Again, just more, uh, maybe even if it's just early season stuff where, you know, you just see this team playing kind of together, kind of cohesive and, you know, kind of getting after it, man. I'm very curious to see, how this defense shakes up and ends up playing. And again, I, cause I still feel like there's some spots, you know, as I mentioned, obviously that, uh, 
that need to be improved still, uh, you know, and really, I think every, every position could be improved, but, uh, you know, I think there, there, there are some holes that, uh, you know, could be exposed if, you know, a, a couple things, you know, just don't fall Miami's way. All right. So this is just a starting point. We'll see how things develop in the month of spring football. Guys are allowed to get better during the off season. And, uh, we will definitely be reporting on everything in a month or so in terms of uh, spring football. And then also too, there's that window, that May window uh, to land some potential additions in the portal. So appreciate everyone for listening. Again, 75% off deal. This was a long one, Gabby, uh, but hey, I'm here for it. <laughs> and uh, appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, take care. <laughs>